Cam and Renee's Real Estate Show. Sounds like Canberra. Sounds like Mix on a 6.3. JW Land. Introducing homes of uncompromising quality across premium locations. Hi there, it's Cam and Renee here. Each week on Mix 106.3, we present the Mix 106.3 Real Estate Show. We speak with industry experts, leaders in Canberra property, national analysts and a range of other property specialists. So let's take a listen to some of the things we looked at in last Saturday's show. Well, Cam, as you know, it's it's a funny time in the market because we had um, auctions, so many auctions um, dominating the market, you know, some months ago, and that's mm. kind of calmed down a bit now. And there's lots of uncertainty with interest rates and everything that's happening in that space. Yep. And so when the auction market was so hot, people just had to rock up and pay the highest amount of money and mm. get it over the line and, and that was it. Yep. You know, simplifying uh, it. Easy, there. yeah. Yeah, I'm simplifying <laughs> it quite a bit. But now we're in a space where more homes are being sold via private treaties. Mm. So we thought we'd explore what tools do people in that situation need. Yeah. And uh, Sam McGregor is a licensed agent uh, for Mark Property. He joins us now. Hey, Sam. Hey, Cam. How are you? How are you this morning? Yeah, yes, really good. good. Thank you, mate. So so let's have it um, because everyone will know, or I would imagine everyone would know what an auction is and they've probably experienced one or know the experience. But when you say private treaty, and really this is just an, another very strong sales method, what's the true definition, though, for people who don't understand of private treaty? Yep. Yeah, great question. Uh, super simple answer. Anything that's not for sale by auction, but really what that means is where we're set by negotiation. Either if we've got a price on it, sometimes you see uh, you know a number plus, or you don't see price at all. But anything where we're just set to negotiate with an agent. Okay. Okay. And uh, when negotiating, uh, like you say in this sort of situation, what's the one thing that buyers should be cautious of? Yeah. Also, an excellent question, Renee. Uh, in my view, I think the number one thing buyers need to be cautious of is that it is a slower process uh, than when you go to auction. You, you don't just spend four weeks down the front yard with a paddle and then put your best foot forward. Um, there's there's a lot more moving pieces of a puzzle in a private treaty sale, which is uh, good and bad. It gives everyone a bit more flexibility, but you need to be cautious that it's a bit slower. And with, with these private treaty sales these days, are most agents kind of operating by the um, you know best and final offer or, or how is that kind of working? Look, everything, the beautiful thing from my perspective, Renee, about a private treaty sale is that all tools are available to an agent. And that means that uh, the situation that a buyer and a seller is going to find them in is going to be, uh, I suppose, a creation of a sales campaign. So absolutely a best and final offer situation is something you'll likely face. And that's probably where a home is very competitive. Um, but just as you said before, in a market where, um, you know, a, an auction campaign is going to be successful and create a great outcome for everybody involved, somebody might have gone down the private treaty path because there's only that there's a view that there might only be a small amount of interest in a property. So, you know, it's, it's not uncommon. And if you think five years ago, uh, it wouldn't have been uncommon to think there's only one person out there that wants to buy my house. And it's my agent's job to find that person and negotiate the best price and circumstances for, you know, both sides of the, the party there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so you're just sorting to start to lean into this now. For vendors, why is the private treaty a good option as the sales tool? Look, it absolutely is. Um, as I said, there's a lot of tools available to vendors and agents to get a house sold. Um, auctions are just one of them, but I am seeing more private treaty sales than ever at the moment because it gives us a bit of flexibility in how we, we market and negotiate. 
And how often at the moment with the market, the way it is currently, are you seeing cases where properties go to auction, that doesn't work out, and then it turns into a private treaty sale? Look, another really great question. Uh, I think auction clearance rates sort of varying between about 50 and 70% in the ACT. So toss a coin, half the houses that are going to auction uh, are landing in a private treaty situation post-auction anyway. So pretty often. Yeah. Okay. Well, I guess it's not not surprising um, given what we're hearing about what's going on in that space at the moment. Well, we could chat about to you this for a long time, um, Sam, but we are going to have to leave it there. Thank you so much for, for sharing that with us this morning. That's all right. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for the chat, guys. Have a great Saturday. You too. Uh, Sam McGregor from Mark Property there um, talking about private treaty sales and what's involved there. Now, Cam, we are wrapping up our uh, July interview series Mm. Uh, today. uh, We've been talking about getting renovations right. And so we've spoken to a licensed builder, um, an asbestos person. I I think the chat that we had about the asbestos was the most interesting for me, just knowing, obviously, the history of asbestos and how dangerous it can be, but also how how good it has been as well. Yeah, there's all different times. We could have spoken about that for ages. Uh, We've had a building certifier on, a real estate agent. Mm. Uh, Today, we're heading outdoors um, and looking at landscaping projects as, as part of household renovations. Mm-hmm. And uh, Lucas Kunsevich is a landscaping architect at National Landscaping. Good morning, Lucas. Good morning. How are you? Good, thank you. All right, mate. You've been around the block in this business for quite some time. What are some of the common mistakes you see people making when they're at least thinking about or attempting to have a go at a landscaping project themselves as a part of a home renovation? Um, I think I think the biggest mistake that people make is uh, trying to undertake a project without having a strategy and a plan for what they're trying to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's that's probably one of the things I stress the most to the clients that I speak to is uh, having a plan um, of attack for the work that they want to complete and actually having a holistic um, image of, of of what they what they want to do. Um, that's one of the biggest mistakes. And then there's then there's a you know a plethora of things that go on from there when it comes to like um, structural landscaping and and then you know it just it just snowballs. <laughs> yes, yeah. I could imagine. Do you get um, a lot of cases where people are doing their own landscaping and they're like, oh, I love that flower, I love that tree. Let's let's whack that in. When you've got to really consider, you know, what's seasonal? When do you actually need to put stuff in at the right time of year and that sort of thing? Yeah, that tends to happen a lot. Um, Canberra's got a really unique climate in the fact that you know it's it's super cold in winter and then it, it's you know scorching hot in summer. So um, there's there's not not everything that you see on Pinterest will grow in Canberra, and so there's a really careful approach that we take to choosing the plants that are right for our area and for what the client also wants to achieve. You almost have to make it as though you're a project manager, don't you? And and the very next line under that means that you have to be ready for things to go wrong. Yes. Because they will go wrong. And then how do you fix it, mitigate it, make it look so that it didn't go wrong? You've seen plenty of that, no doubt, Lucas. Yeah, no doubt. We've seen we've seen a lot of things go wrong. Um, so we we tend to focus on. Um, on complete landscapes, whether it's a new build or an established house where the owner wants to refresh the outdoors. Um, and, you know, sometimes we'll come in and, you know, there's existing works or things that have been done on new builds that uh, really hinder the process of us coming in and doing what we need to do. Um, and so, yeah, mitigating those things is, is quite important. Um, 
if we can get in touch with the builders uh, prior to the landscaping starting, then we can make sure that some of those things can be mitigated before we come in to do our work. Yeah, absolutely. And look, understandably, you've probably been quite diplomatic up until this point, and we get it. But, Lucas, now what we're dying to ask you is what's the biggest mistake you've had to come in and fix? Give us a doozy. Mm. Um, the, the biggest one that we've sort of had to handle would be uh, wrongly installed retaining walls by other oh. And wow. that, that's, uh, yeah, that's that's probably the biggest one because uh, retaining walls take a fair bit of engineering um, and uh, a specific process to install. And if that's not done properly, then you're really risking a lot. Um, so for, for DIYs that are trying to put retaining walls up, definitely do a lot of research into how the system that you're trying to use is uh, engineered and how it needs to be installed. And you need to have a bit of an understanding for drainage and how the soil in Canberra um, reacts with rain and dry and all that sort of stuff. So they're, they're, they're probably the biggest ones. Retaining walls and other structural landscaping um, components, sort of like decks and pergolas as well. Yes. Yep. yep. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I'm just, I don't know. I, I feel what you're saying. And, you know, I, I, it comes back to what you were saying at the start, right? You just need to have a plan and a strategy, not just a slap bang. And, and be researched. I think out of the whole yeah. interview series through July, those are the absolute key points. You've got to have, almost be a project manager, be planned, research, have the strategy. Yeah. That's right. And, I mean, that's what, that's why professionals like us are around, um, to help um, homeowners get through that process mm. and so you know the thing that I stress the most to the to the new clients that, that we take on board is to either get a landscape architect in uh, in involved in the project or um, at least have a landscape designer come out and help you um, put a picture together of what the project is going to be so then if you're you know if, if the homeowner is looking at tackling some of the project by themselves they've got a decent idea of what they're doing um, that's you know outlined in the plan um and so they can sort of tackle that work in a methodic way yeah and it really helps professionals like us and other landscapers in canberra um be able to follow something um instead of yes it being up in the air and yeah (laughs) yeah exactly yes some very important messages there lucas thank you so much for sharing that with us this morning Thank you so much for having me on. Thank you, uh, Lucas Quincevich, who's a landscaping architect at National Landscaping. You could almost hear and feel the pain in his voice, couldn't you? Yes, especially with that retaining wall example. What a nightmare. Well, Cam, we recently uh, saw a story on all homes that talked about older properties coming onto the market that have been, you know, within within the one family for generations, so ones that haven't come up for sale in many years. Yeah, and this really resonated with me as well. And I think for the show too, it was only a couple of weeks ago that uh, we spoke to the gentleman uh, and uh, the property at the base of Mount Ainsley. Yes, that's right. Had been in the one family for like 55 years. And with the videos that I sort of go around and do with Zango as well, same thing. We go in and the family has, um, you know, they've been there forever and they're downsizing. It's time to move away. All the memories and the generations of families that have been brought up in the one place is very emotional, right? Yeah, it must be really hard and lots to consider, you know, when going through that process. And uh, Ben Power is a buyer's advisor at Brady Marks Buyer's Advisory. Um, He's joining us to chat about that this morning. Hey, Ben. 
Hey, Renee, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Okay, mate, properties that have been in the one family for a long, long time, as we said, they carry large amounts of emotion. How do the best agents manage that emotion while also making sort of, you know, real hard sales-driven decisions? Yeah, I think first and foremost, it's really important just to acknowledge and appreciate how the family is feeling and just try to embrace that the end of an era and onto new beginnings. Uh, and then it's about really providing really clear communication and total transparency right throughout that whole campaign for the owner. And I think by doing that, it helps manage some of that emotion and potentially adjust the owner's expectation on price. You know, for example, the emotionally attached owner may feel that their property is worth, let's say, $2.5 million, but the buyers viewing the property see the value at around maybe 2.2 or 2.3. So the buyers don't take into account that owner's emotional attachment to the property. Mm. But the best sales agent, they'll always negotiate really hard to achieve the best possible outcome for the family. And if the family, I think, sees how hard they're working throughout that campaign, they'll be more willing and accepting to <clears throat> um, take a lower offer than what they originally hoped. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, all very good points there. And when you take into account things, Ben, like, you know, size and energy efficiency and other factors as well, are the older houses harder to sell? Yeah, from what I'm seeing at the moment, I'll definitely say yes. The older houses are staying on the market for longer periods of time. Uh, there's less buyer demand for those. As, as buyers are looking for properties that have been renovated and are ready to move into, you know, with the increased construction costs of the last few years, um, it's a real consideration for buyers whether they want to actually go ahead with a renovation. Um, so the older homes that are renovated are more likely to sell than those that aren't renovated. To counter that, though, a lot of those older properties are on large blocks of land, right? So there's the option to maybe put a granny flat out the back and do other things with it. So those are some of the conversations that you must hear as well, Ben. Absolutely. So the, the, those that are looking for those properties are probably people looking to knock down and rebuild. Mm. So builders may be interested in those properties. Um, and for investors, particularly like they're, when they're looking at uh, those properties, they need to take into consideration those energy efficiency standards in the OCT. Um, so, you know, with the older houses, there's often a need for that extra investment to make the property compliant to rent out. Um, so that's also taken into consideration when, when viewing properties. Okay. Yeah, for sure. And uh, Ben, is there a property you've seen come onto the market that's been in one family for, for decades? Yeah, I see a few. Um, one doesn't totally stand out at the moment, but I've been through quite a few in the inner south and inner north over the last couple of months. Um, and to be honest, like they're probably the ones that are more suited to the knockdown and rebuild, um, those that aren't renovated. But what I would say is, you know, the properties where you can really feel some history as you walk through them, you know, they, they, they provide a real sense of warmth, those ones that might not be fully staged, as a lot of the properties are these days. And so you can have a real appreciation for the home and the family that has created all those memories there. So true. Yeah, and it's often so those true. ones, like, you know, have been kept in good nick because they've been there for so long and they care about it too. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. All right, Ben. Well, um, yeah, thank you so much for your insights this morning. That was great. Thanks so much. No worries. Have a lovely day. You too. Uh, ben Power, Buyer's Advisor at Brady Marks Buyer's Advisory. Well, those are the interviews we most enjoyed in last week's Mix 106.3 Real Estate Show. If you love hearing about the latest trends or you're just up for a sticky beak, be sure to drop by for a listen this Saturday between 9 and 10. Cam and Renee's Real Estate Show. Sounds like Canberra. Sounds like Mix 106.3.